You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Thank you so much for joining us on our live stream today. Uh, I want to give parents fair warning, though. We're continuing a series titled The Reality of Spiritual Warfare. And in this series, we're going to be discussing things that have a more serious, mature tone to them. So if you have kids in the room, I would like to give you a warning that this might not be an uh, appropriate topic for their little ears to hear just yet. So I want to give you just a quick, a brief moment to ask the kids to go play in the other room or maybe arrange a nap time, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. But I wanted to give you a heads up, fair warning, that this sermon series is, um, has mature content in it and is not suitable for young children. So let's jump into the Word this morning. But before we do that, would you join me in prayer over those who have been affected by either viruses or COVID itself? Would you bow your heads with me? Um, dear Heavenly Father, we, um, Lord, first and foremost, we thank you for your faithfulness. As we just sang a few moments ago, even though we don't see it, even though we don't feel it, we know that you're at work and that everything is working for your purpose and your plans and that there are kingdom plans being furthered even here, even now. And so, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are present in our time of need. And right now, Lord, we need your healing touch in the body of Christ, and we also need your protection. Uh, Lord, would you cover C3 Church with your protection? Father, we just ask that there wouldn't be any more COVID patients um, from here on out uh, in this church body, of course, in our country, but especially in our church body right now. Lord, would you heal those who need healing right here, right now, the many families that are in need of your healing touch. For those who feel discouraged and they've been sick now for a week and they're saying, is this ever going to end? Lord, would you give them encouragement and would you lift their spirits up and empower them with your Holy Spirit? And Father, we look forward to your continued work in C3 Church and through C3 Church. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said... And everybody said, amen, amen. So, hey, we're continuing our series, The Reality of Spiritual Warfare. Uh, You can go ahead and let out a chuckle considering all of the events that have led up to this week and us meeting online. And again, I cannot help but feel like these uh, COVID cases that have hit our church is a um, demonic attack. Uh, I don't think you're going to convince me of anything else. Um, specifically because of the timing. We have seen the most growth that our church has ever seen over the past couple weeks. We have seen people coming to know Jesus at such a heightened rate that one might even call it revival. Uh, We have seen kids' ministry blow up. We have seen all of these incredible things, and we decide to talk about a series uh, that focuses on the topic of spiritual warfare, and more than well, almost half of our church ends up getting sick. I don't find that to be a coincidence. I believe that that's spiritual warfare. And here's what I'm telling you this morning: we're going to make the devil pay for this, plus interest. Mark my words. I want you to remember this moment. We're going to make the devil pay for interrupting all that God has been doing 
and we're going to charge him interest. And I'm telling you, we're going to think of some outreach events that are going to shame the devil, and we're going to reach the lost, and we're going to see the broken healed, and I want you to remember this moment because I am gearing up myself for payback, and payback is coming. So mark my words, remember this moment a few months from now, a few weeks from now, that we're going to make the devil pay, Jesus is going to make the devil pay, and he's going to charge him interest, and so it's coming. But here we are in the midst of a spiritual warfare series. Why are we doing a series like this? Because I want us to understand and be prepared for the devil's plans, the devil's schemes. Because if we can catch the devil in the midst of what he's doing, uh, it raises an awareness. You and I see the schemes, we see what he's doing, and we're able to catch him as he's doing it. Therefore, we're not blindly falling into his schemes. But I want us to be cautious, as I've mentioned over the past couple weeks, Spiritual warfare is one of those things that we have to acknowledge but not get obsessed with. C.S. Lewis said this, There are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased with both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. C.S. Lewis put it so, so elegantly when he's telling us, don't get obsessed with it. Spiritual warfare, angels, demons, demonic oppression, don't get obsessed with it, but also don't deny the existence of it. We have to meet somewhere in the middle. We must acknowledge spiritual warfare, and I want us to, as we acknowledge spiritual warfare, I want us to also focus on Jesus. Just a reminder, as we talk about these heavy topics of demonic oppression and so on and so forth, just remember, God is the creator. Everything after him is a result of his creation. As a creation of the creator, we are therefore limited, but God is not. We are limited, but He is not. He is all-knowing. He knows the future. We don't. Demons don't. Angels don't. Satan doesn't. Only God knows the future. I want us to remember, He's the Creator, therefore He is Almighty God. He is above it all. There's a war waging right now between good and evil. And this war is a very clever war. As we see this uh, um, um, the physical evidence of a demonic war happening, I want us to remember that there, is, there are two things that we're going to be talking about that I want us to remember. And one is blatant demonic oppression and the other is subtle demonic oppression. There are two different activities happening right now. Some are easier to see. We're able to say, man, that is, just, that is just evil. That is wrong. And others are subtle demonic influences that Satan is trying to introduce into our culture. I'm reminded of a game that I used to play when I was a youth pastor with the teens. We used to call it release. And it's kind of like tag and hide and go seek combined and morphed into one. It's when you have one team that is the seekers and they're looking for those who are hiding and if you tag those who are hiding then they become a prisoner and they go to a, a prison, a specific area that is blocked out. But if one of their teammates runs in and tags them in that prison and screams release, then everybody in that prison gets set free. And so I remember 
I'm, I'm, I'm on this team that's hiding and I'm walking through uh, a field and I cannot find anybody on my team. I mean, I'm, I'm literally looking for these kids with such an intensity and I cannot believe, I'm like, they must have left the property. They got in a car and I cannot find them. And all of a sudden, I'm walking through this field and I hear, ow! And I stop and I look and at my feet, there is a teenager who was hiding in the middle of a field. He wasn't hiding in a bush. He wasn't in a tree. He wasn't in the woods. He wasn't in a closet somewhere. He was hiding in plain sight. Satan is working in such a way that he's hiding, but it's, we're now in a place in history where it's in plain view. Some things are in plain view. But then there's then there's the subtle side of Satan. And likewise, there were a bunch of teenagers. They, hid, they, they took their hiding to an extreme. And they actually ended up this huge uh, grate that was literally a sewer outlet from the parking lot. They lifted up this grate. I don't know how they did it because if you've ever tried lifting up a sewer grate, it weighs a lot. They managed to lift it up and hide in this little hole in the ground. They were not in plain sight. They were out of sight. We could hear them. We knew that they were somewhere out there. And that's also kind of like how Satan works. Sometimes he's right in plain view, but other times you can't see him. You can't see evidence of him, but you know that he's there. Again, the topic of the sermon today is blatant and subtle demonic influence. Let's first talk about blatant demonic influence. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20. No, but the sacrifices of pagans are offered to demons and not God. And I do not want you to participate with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You cannot have a part in both the Lord's table and the table of demons. The reality is this, is there's a part of our culture that doesn't even hide their support of demonic activity, demonic influence, and even worshiping Satan. There are some individuals in our culture that they post it on their social media. I mean, they they talk about it, they're open about it, and it's becoming more, it's being a Satanist is becoming more and more mainstream. It's not even in hiding, it's in front of us. I remember specifically when when I was in, in high school, one of my first jobs was working for a landscaping company, and this was the first time that I had ever come in contact with blatant demonic activity. So I worked for this landscaping company, and um, a part of my job six days a week is I was cutting a 22-acre all-headstone cemetery. I mean, just a massive cemetery. And I remember typically in October, you know, grass cutting season starts to taper off. And some seasons, it even goes into November. And this was one of those years where grass season, cutting season was going into November. And I remember walking up um, to cut the grass this, on this specific day around Halloween. And I remember walking up to a gravestone and seeing a pentagram and candles and all of these demonic things. And it was the first time that I'd ever been in contact with blatant, right there, demonic practice out in the open. There's some activity that Satan 
partakes in and, 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 and that our culture partakes, participates in, and it's just not even hidden. Some examples of blatant demonic influence that, that is present, evident in our culture, and that some people will just openly discuss is the practice of Satanists, people that participate in blood covenants, those that perform seances, those that are seeking to be in contact with the dead, those that invite demonic possession into their lives. Demonic possession, by the way, is something that is very, very real. It's not just a pretend uh, a concept that was made up for the sake of a Hollywood horror film, but it is a very real account. I remember when I was a youth pastor, there was a young man who had invited him, a, a, a demon, to reside in his life. And I remember this, this young man, I mean, the, you're talking about super strength and just when he would speak, I, I mean, you could sense that there was something very, very evil residing in this young man's life. And I remember a pastor and I, when we went to pray over him, we asked if he wanted to be freed, and three voices responded at the same time, no. And when we asked him why he didn't want to be freed, he went on to say how he was bullied his entire life and the demons give him power. Demon possession is not just something that we see on horror films around this time of the year. It is something that is very, very real. So what opens a person up to this level of demonic possession and influence? Well, first, a person opening up their heart to a demon. Just like we invite Jesus to reside in our lives, there are some individuals out there who blatantly open their hearts up to evil for the sake of it making them feel empowered or protected or as if they have kind of an in with the supernatural realm. What opens a person up to this level of demonic possession? Practices of the occult and calling on spirits. And again, I'm just so concerned with the, the blindness of our culture because this should be so bluntly uh, open, honest to us that we would have caution towards these things. And yet, every year around this season, around this time... Practices of the occult and calling on spirits is glamorized. We obsess about it. We watch movies about it. There are activities that take place at various historical sites around our state where you can go on ghost hunts and call on spirits and all of these. It should be so just obvious to us that these aren't activities that are just in the name of fun, but that this is very real. What opens a person up to this level of demonic possession? The worship of false idols. But here in our nation, it goes by a different title. We don't recognize people worshiping to false idols. We just say they are people of other religions. In the U.S., we cover up practices by giving them a kinder title. People say they're practicing their faith. Never putting two and two together that when you bow down to a false god, you're bowing down to Satan. There's no two ways about it. It's called a false religion, a false belief, which is still a kinder way of saying it's a false idol of demonic practice. False religions are demonically influenced. 
They are an attempt to replace God and feed mankind the lie that we will inherit salvation outside of Christ. And this is a demonic statement. This is a demonic belief. To find salvation outside of Christ is a lie. And our hearts shouldn't be fearful of false religions and shouldn't seek to attack them. But our hearts should break in such a way that we desire to reach them. Blatant demonic activity is when a person seeks powers, energies, or forces outside of God in Scripture and or seeks information via the paranormal. When there is a belief that seeks to promote self rather than God... When there is a belief that is rooted into me getting into myself rather than getting to know God, it should cause us concern. Some, an example of this, uh, of, a, of a belief, uh, a religion right now that is one of the fastest growing religions in the United States, or at least last I checked it was in the top three, is the practice of being a Wiccan. Some Wiccans actually will pick and choose parts of the Christian doctrine to embrace and reject others. I had the opportunity to uh, meet a Wiccan, and my wife and I were discussing with this girl why she practiced these things. And I remember my wife saying, do you understand that this is evil, that this is wrong? And the response that we heard from this individual was, I don't, I don't, it's not wrong, I don't practice dark magic I practice light magic. There are many beliefs right now in our country that are bluntly demonic. They just go by different titles as a covering. And I want to be clear that when we seek power or information or guidance outside of God, it's demonic common practices of Wiccan today that are looked at as, you know, just uh, something that benefits our household. It's not a demonic practice. Is the, the, the practice of bringing in crystals into one's home to bring good energy and good vibes in the household. This is a demonic practice. And just to be clear, the Bible says that there's no such thing as good magic and bad magic. It's all demonic. Both sides, whether it's called white magic, light magic, good magic, it still seeks power outside of God. And this is a demonic practice. Romans chapter 1 verse 25 says this, They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 10 through 12 says this, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Anyone who does these things... He, these things is detestable to the Lord because of these same detestable practices. The Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. This scripture covers everything. 
practices that bring good energy into your home, luck uh, uh, charms that we look to bring about luck into our lives, seeking knowledge or revelation outside of God, fortune telling, spell casting in any way, harnessing out power outside of scripture, attaining knowledge from nature, worshiping mother earth, Wicca, and so on is blatantly, bluntly demonic. Scripture says that we're called to have no part in it. Our power comes from the Lord. Our knowledge comes from the Word. That's all there is to it. But let's talk about subtle demonic influence. Because let's be real for a moment. Most of us are not intentionally going to be running outside and calling on Satan or demons. This might be extreme to us and still is extreme to many in our culture. But we also have to understand that that's not the only access point in which Satan meets us or tries to tempt us. C.S. Lewis, again, one of my favorite authors, says this, The safest road to hell is the gradual one. This is the road taken by the quiet people, the responsible citizens, religious people, our neighbors, and even people participating in the Christian church. What are subtle demonic influences in our culture right now? Well, for one, a focus on life's pleasure rather than the consequences of our decisions is one demonic influence. It, it's subtle, but it's subtle enough that if you are a biblical Christian, you'll recognize that there's something wrong about this message. For example, in our culture, there's never a focus or report of any kind on the consequences of one's actions. Everything in our culture is aimed at what will make us feel good and what will give us the most endorphin-filled rush. Popular messages right now that are prevalent on social media, the media as a whole, in Hollywood, in the top, uh, 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 top 10 best book-selling uh, books or whatever, and, you know, the message is prevalent right now that you deserve the best, most pleasure-filled life. And if you don't achieve this goal, then government and society are the ones to blame because they're holding you back from becoming the best you and the happiest you. There's no mention of taking responsibility for one's actions. Everything right now is built upon making a decision that makes you feel best. There's no dialogue about how your decisions might impact others or how our decisions will impact our kids' lives and the generations to come. Everything is focused on the here and the now and what feels best. There's no dialogue about how our decisions will impact one another or even how our decisions will impact us later on in life. Luke chapter 12 gives us an account of a wealthy man that he lived his life without thought of, of eternity. And scripture says this, Luke chapter 12, verses 20 through 21. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then you will get what, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. We're looking at a consumer-driven generation that has never been driven by, by, by being a consumer before. I mean, this is unprecedented. And it's been taught to 
younger generations that are becoming adults and going out into the real world that life is about you and what makes you feel best. As Christians, we must have a conversation of eternity with individuals around us. We have to have a conversation about beyond the here and beyond the now and beyond the moment and beyond what makes you feel good day to day. It's our responsibility to have this conversation. What other demonic messages are being spoken and therefore bringing about demonic influences, subtle demonic influences into our culture? Well, one influence is the victim identity. Everybody is being taught right now that they are a victim of something, and even more so, that they are bound to whatever uh, issues, whatever hurts took place in their life, that they are bound to those hurts, that that is who they are. Victim identity is when we take the hurts that have happened in our lives and we embrace them as a part of who we are. Victim identity is why generational curses exist. Because generation after generation says, I am the mistakes of my parents, I am the mistakes of my father or my mother, and therefore I must be like them. It's all I'll ever be is the mistakes of who they were. And generation after generation lives in the mistakes and in the sins of the generation before them because they have been bound to a victim identity. Society in the world says, your mistakes, it's who you are. Your parents' mistakes, it's who you are. It's your identity. There's no escape for you. You will always be damaged goods. And this is a demonic influence that is prevalent but at the same time subtle in our culture right now. And this tactic is used to take out entire families. Society says you are what happened to you. God says you are made new. God says you are not defined by your past, you are defined by the blood of Jesus. I want to be clear this morning, if you have a father wound in your life, your father's Words do not shape you. Your heavenly Father's words shape you. It's so easy for us to take our hurts and justify living a life based on those hurts. But I want us to remember Joseph who was betrayed by his brothers and left for dead. He could have embraced a victim mentality, but, God's, but with God's help, his past became a part of his testimony. And he would be used in great and mighty ways. Why? Because he never embraced that victim title, that mentality. How do we overcome victim identity? We take responsibility. Repent, accept God's gift of salvation, and walk in a new identity. It's a part of why we call it being born again. Who I was is not who I am. Whatever mistakes happen in your lineage, in your, in your parents' lives, that's, that, that doesn't define you anymore. We call it being born again when you receive salvation in Jesus Christ because you are born again. You are made new, a new creation, and therefore given a new identity. Other demonic, subtle influences in our culture, atheism, denying the existence of God. And atheism, let's be honest, it's in everything. It's taught in our schools. It's celebrated by culture. And atheism is promoted as natural ground rather than anti-God. 
But even more dangerous than atheism is this new creation, practical atheism, which is living as if God didn't exist. Practical atheism, a definition is this, practical atheism is the view that one should live their life with disregard towards a God. Practical atheism doesn't reject or accept claims about God. Those who are practical atheists might say things like this, there might be a God, but I don't need Jesus. Those who practice practical atheism might say things like this, God is a universal term used by all religions for power. It's so integrated in our government that our government is hesitant to say the name of Jesus in public places. Why? Because a majority of our government is practical atheists. They acknowledge that there might be a God, but they do not acknowledge the God, Jesus Christ, God's only Son. You'll often hear it in song lyrics. I heard it whenever I was a youth pastor from this one specific rapper who sang about dealing drugs on the weekend. And then a few lyrics later, a few lines later, he asked for God's protection. Practical atheist. Acknowledging that there might be a God, but I don't need to live for him and I certainly don't need Jesus. The reality is that there's many Christians in today's time that are practical atheists. They come to church on Sundays and entertain the idea that God might be here and that God might be real, but they leave here unchanged, living the same lifestyle. Biblical Christianity and practical atheism cannot exist together. They cannot coexist. Biblical Christianity demands exclusivity. And it is validated in lifestyle in relationship with Jesus. We have a world that is convinced and an entire generation that is convinced that it's okay to acknowledge God but not know Him. That it's okay to acknowledge God but live the same. And it's a subtle, demonic tactic that prevents a world from experiencing the realness of Jesus Christ. If we can have our worship music played. The great commandment requires us to know God through Jesus Christ and live a life for God because of what Jesus has done for us. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. It is because God that human life matters. It is because of the reality of Christ that ethics matter are vital. It is because of the cross that we have Holy Spirit empowerment. It is because of Christ really defeating death that the church can offer real hope. It is because of Jesus' real act of atonement that our forgiveness is more than a feeling. My challenge to the church today is live for Jesus in a world that lives for themselves. Live for Jesus in a world that lives for themselves. We must separate ourselves from darkness. It's why we've talked about blunt demonic activity and subtle demonic activity. 
so that we can be aware in such a way that we live differently. That we don't fall into these tactics used by Satan that are demonic tactics, but, but we can say pure and holy as we live a life that gives glory to God. Scripture says and asks the question, what does light and darkness have in common? And the answer is nothing. You and I are called to live for Jesus. And the reality is that our world needs to see the authentic love of Christ in us and through us. I believe that as atheists and practical atheists encounter something real, that they will see a real love in us and they won't be able to deny its existence. Because that's what atheism is. It's the denial of what already exists. And I want to challenge us, church, to live for His purpose, to separate ourselves from darkness, that we might be light in such a way that practical atheists, atheists, would see something so real in us, the love of Christ, that they would come to serve Him. Would you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, would you help us to not fall into these blunt and subtle tactics of Satan? But Lord, would you help us to live for you in such a way, God, that the world around us would see the light of Christ in us. That the world around us would, wouldn't be able to deny that there's something authentic about that man or that woman. And that something is the love of Christ. Lord, would you protect us and lead us? Help us to bring wholeness in a broken world that needs you. Lord, would you help us to shame the devil? We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Hey, church, I love you. I'm praying for you. And I look forward to seeing you this Wednesday night at our Bible study and our boys and girls program. And I definitely look forward to seeing you next Sunday in person. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.